Welcome to Public Health On Call, a new podcast from the Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. Our focus is the novel coronavirus. I'm Josh Sharfstein, a faculty member at Johns Hopkins and also a former secretary of Maryland's Health Department. Our goal with this podcast is to bring evidence and experts to help you understand today's news about the novel coronavirus and what it means for tomorrow. If you have questions, you can email them to publichealthquestion at jhu.edu. That's publichealthquestion at jhu.edu for future podcast episodes. Today, Stephanie Desmond is talking to Susan Kren, Executive Director of the Johns Hopkins Center for Communications Programs, about how to use communications to change behaviors, a very timely topic during the coronavirus pandemic. Let's listen. We're here today talking to Susan Kren, Executive Director of the Johns Hopkins Center for Communication Programs. Today, we're going to talk about good communication practices in the time of COVID. Susan, let me first ask you a little bit about what you do here at CCP, what CCP does. So uh, as you noted, I'm the director of the center here and have been at the center for 35 years. As the director, I oversee programs uh, across the board for CCP, and our programs really focus on using communication to catalyze and improve health across the board. We do a lot of work in um, low resource settings, uh, and we use this communication in an approach we refer to as social and behavior change communication to inspire people to uptake healthy behaviors. This, of course, is most important as we speak now in in terms of emergency settings. So I just actually read a headline in USA Today, and it says this, coronavirus facts don't incite panic, just the opposite, facts fight fear. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about how you use your communication skills in order to make sure that in a situation like this, people are getting the information they need and that they're not coming away afraid? Uh, That's that's an excellent question. So a couple things. One is really ensuring that the communication that is going out to people is informed, that it's accurate uh, and responding to their information needs. So what do they need to know to be able to act and prevent you know, take care of their own health and prevent risk. I think certainly with a COVID situation, we have an increased and heightened sense of fear with all of the headlines. Uh, But, uh, you know, and that's something that we need people to understand that there is a threat out there, but then we need to encourage them and give them the resources and the self-efficacy to actually act on that fear because fear can be paralyzing to people. Um, And so we need to make sure that there's a balance between their understanding the threat and their ability to take action to, to, to keep themselves and their families healthy. So there are some sort of crazy rumors flying around about the coronavirus and its origins. How do you use communication to handle rumors and misinformation? I think uh, it's really important to be able to understand what information is getting out there, what people are seeing and hearing. And again, in an emergency response, you want to be prepared to uh, respond to those issues as quickly as possible. And you need to have channels out there and platforms and mechanisms by which to get the correct information out. You need to be able to get people to refer to credible sources of information. And I think, of course, leadership is always important. So people who are 
who are in positions of authority or people who have a platform where they can talk to a lot of people also have a responsibility to either model the correct behaviors or to try and correct information that needs to get out there um, and to combat some of those rumors. But again, being able to understand and see what's happening in the environment and then having, uh, having the ability to respond to those very quickly is important. I would think that trust is also important. I know in, in your work, you make sure that the person who's giving the information is a trusted person. I also understand you spend a lot of time creating trust ahead of time. Where does that all fit in here? Yeah, absolutely. So it's not just about the messages themselves, but it's about the messenger. Because if the messenger is incredible, if the messenger is not trusted, uh, then it doesn't matter what information you're providing. And so I think, again, looking to individuals who really do uh, connect well and people trust to deliver information is, is key and understanding who those people are just in general. So we're always looking to who is the spokesperson who is going to be able to deliver a message that people are going to respond to. Um, and so I think in the case of COVID-19, I think Anthony Fauci, the director of the uh, National Institutes of Allergy and Infectious Disease, is one such person. He's just terrific. He delivers the facts. He acknowledges when we don't know something, it just gives people a sense of confidence that even though we don't have all the answers, we do know what we should be doing with the information we do have. So, you know, you just sort of touched on this question that I've been having is that there's so many unknowns here, right? We really don't fully understand the situation at this point. How do you prepare for that? And how do we communicate about that? Yeah, I think, yes, again, in this situation, there's a tremendous amount we still don't know. And we're learning every day. I think, uh, you know, the situation is changing day to day, week to week. Um, but as you know, it's not comfortable for this ambiguity for most of us to have this ambiguity about what we should be doing. But I think because we don't know and nobody knows, um, the best thing we can do is be clear and concise uh, with the information that we do have, tell people what they can do, what is in their power to do, and then acknowledge what we don't know and continuing to keep that dialogue open. So it's not a, it's not a one-day message. We need to continually evolve the message as we learn more and to get that correct information out to people. Um, but we are going to be in a state of unknown for quite some time. So I think it's really critical just to be able to have people who can deliver trusted information and know that it's going to continue to change. You know, something that I was thinking about is that, you know, they've closed the schools in the state of Maryland, for example. As a parent, I don't actually know if this means that I should let my children congregate with other children when they're out of school. And I think that I think people have been good at maybe giving the overarching message, but then there's these other messages that come up. I mean, what's the best way to sort of respond to those sorts of questions and how can we do it better? That's it's quite challenging, again, um, because we are getting some guidance, but in some instances there's conflicting guidance and it is hard for each of us, myself included, to figure out what we should and shouldn't be doing. When I think about this, I think the guidance that we can provide is that individuals need to think about themselves, but they also need to think about the downstream effect. So if you are putting your kids together with other kids, do those other kids have exposure to somebody that might be at risk because they have an immune, uh, immune compromise system or other risk factors? And I think 
we are in very much unprecedented times. And I think we just need to all be more cautious than we normally would be. And we also have to think beyond ourselves and beyond our immediate families in terms of extending the protection downstream. And I also, we talked a little bit about balancing sort of the fear with the practical advice for people not to panic. People are scared, right? So how do you make people feel better? And is that our job? I think when people understand that they are getting the information they need and that people are doing the best they can, that helps to alleviate some of the fear. It gives people some confidence that the correct measures are being taken. For instance, when I heard Larry Hogan, uh, the governor of Maryland, talking yesterday and the measures that Maryland was putting in place, including closing the schools and any number of other things, I felt good that those actions were being taken because it's an indication, again, of that leadership and that credibility. This is a serious threat, but even in the context of what we don't know about it, we are taking the best actions we can based on the best information we have today. And so, no, I don't think anybody is going to feel fully confident and unthreatened in the current context, but we all just simply need to do the best we can and know that these measures are being put in place. Another role of communication, of course, is getting health messages out. So we're hearing a lot about hand washing. Um, talk to me a little bit about that important role that communication plays. Yeah, I've been uh, just uh, fascinated to kind of observe how it's uh, emerged almost dynamically, of course, in the context of the COVID situation. And, and we use something we refer to as kind of that systematic approach to delivery of messages. So we're talking to the individual on a very personal level. We're looking at the information in a household, in the community, what's coming from government. And when, when you layer the communication across those levels of the system, your impact is going to be greater. And when you look at what's happening in COVID, uh, I think everybody now, everywhere knows that they should be washing their hands and they know how long to do it and they know how to do it properly. They also know to cough in their sleeve and sneeze in their sleeve. And so there are some key messages that have really gotten through. And I was thinking about that. I go into the restroom, a public restroom now, and you see the sign on the wall, wash your hands, this is how you do it. I turn on the TV and there's Ellen doing something about hand washing. There's videos and entertaining uh, approaches to delivering these messages everywhere you look. So it's really just kind of a perfect example of how strategic communication works and how that layering of consistent and correct messaging really does make a difference. And we're seeing that with uh, COVID-19 for sure. You know, I, my daughter, my teenager, told me that she didn't know before that she was supposed to wash both sides of her hands. So I guess uh, I fell down on the job of parenting, but now this has taught her the correct way to wash her hands. So you've worked with emerging diseases before, the center has, most recently with Ebola and Zika. So what are some of the lessons learned about the role of communication in preventing or slowing the spread of new disease? So I think uh, I mentioned this before, but one is really having mechanisms in place beforehand to deal with it and understanding that those mechanisms need to be flexible and responsive as the emergencies evolve because things change all the time. And so if you have that system in place, then you can, I won't say get ahead of it because 
the unknown is the unknown, but you can at least be able to communicate on a regular basis. And keeping that communication going is important. People do not like avoid, people do not like ambiguity. And so by being able to track the rumors and the misinformation and get out there and respond to those and let people know what's happening, again, from a trusted, credible source, whether that's government, whether that's you know an influential individual, a combination of all of those things, that's absolutely critical. And I think uh, ensuring that the messages, again, empower people or make people feel empowered that they do, there is something they can do to protect themselves, to protect their families and protect the communities. That's, that's essential. And it sounds to me, what I'm hearing from you is that transparency is really important. Absolutely. If you have a situation where you're not getting the information, then there's a lot of speculation that comes in or people, you feel people are hiding information. It's easy to speculate all sorts of things that may or may not be true. And so I think that clarity, that transparency is, is again, another key ingredient in an emergency situation. Well, in any situation, really. Susan, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Stephanie. A pleasure. Thank you for listening to Public Health On Call a new podcast from the Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. Please send questions to be covered in future podcasts to publichealthquestion at jhu.edu. That's publichealthquestion at jhu.edu. This podcast is produced by Josh Sharpstein, Lindsay Smith-Rogers, and Lamari Morales. Audio production by Niall Owen McCusker with support from Chip Hickey. Distribution by Nick Moran. Thank you for listening.